Welcome to the Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. This simple, scripturally sound preaching and teaching of the Word of God will direct you to Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Follow the Shepherd's Voice into the green pastures that God has purposed for you. There, you'll find rest for your soul and the fulfilled Christian experience you crave. God bless you as you listen. We are thankful to you for bringing us together again, assembled in your house. Thank you also for those joining in online. They are all an important part of this evening service. We ask, oh God, that your presence will be with us. Your power will be revealed to us. We will have revelation, insight, and understanding concerning you and concerning your will for our lives. Father, touch everyone listening tonight, everyone watching tonight. May all be tremendously blessed in Jesus' mighty name. Let everybody say amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Put your hands together for Jesus if you don't mind. Hallelujah. God bless you and you may be seated. Matthew chapter 26. I'm reading from verse number 36. Matthew 26, reading from verse number 36. Give me a little high frequency, a little more high frequency if you don't mind. It says, then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Hallelujah. Then you can jump to verse 42. The Bible says, then Jesus left them a second time and prayed. My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. John chapter 4 verse 34. John 4 34. Then Jesus explained... My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Then look at John chapter 5 verse 30. John 5.30, it says, I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. Hallelujah. Now, it is very clear that Jesus was concerned about the will of God and that the will of God was very important to him. Hallelujah. Now, if the will of God was very important to Jesus throughout his earthly ministry, then the will of God must be very important to you and I. And the best place to find ourselves is in the will of God. 
Hallelujah. Lift up your right hand and say, The best place for me to find myself is in the will of God. Hallelujah. Unfortunately, we have a misconception about the will of God. And we feel that the will of God is going to come with a lot of pain. It's going to come with a lot of sacrifice. We are going to have to be called upon to give up things that we like. Things that are nice. Things that are enjoyable. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes for the will of God to be done in our lives, we may have to lose certain things. But I want to submit to you that it is more costly to operate outside the will of God than to operate within the will of God. That what you think you are losing in pursuing the will of God, when you compare to what you will lose if you ignore the will of God, you'll find out that you will pay much more by rejecting the will of God than what you will pay by following the will of God. Can I have an amen from somebody? And so the will of God is very important to our lives. And for some weeks I've been teaching about it. And this evening I'm bringing the series to a close. We will see what the Lord will do next week. We ask ourselves that what is the will of God? The will of God is simply what God has determined, what God has purposed, or what God has determined will be done. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the will of God. We can also say that the will of God is that which God wishes will be done. So the will of God is what God has determined, what God has purposed, what God has determined will be done and what God wishes will be done. That is the will of God. And I have taught us all that there are two dimensions to the will of God. What is the first dimension I shared with you? God's sovereign will. That's one dimension or one aspect of the will of God. His sovereign will. And when we say God's sovereign will, we are talking about what he has determined will be done and nothing can change it. Amen. And then what is the second dimension or aspect of God's will? God's commanded will, which is what he commands us to do or what he wishes us to do or what will please him if we do. It's just that we have a choice whether we're going to do it or not. So it is his commanded will. He's commanded it. He wants it for us. But he's also giving to us the free will and the choice to go along with it or to reject it. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. Now, an example of God's sovereign will, I told you, had to do with Jesus going to the cross. It was the sovereign will of God that Jesus will go to the cross because he had been planning it way back in the garden of Gethsemane right there in the garden of Gethsemane after Adam and Eve had fallen and I dare say that even before the foundations of the earth were laid God had already planned that there was going to be a time when his only begotten son the second person of the Godhead was going to have to come in flesh and take our place on the cross and die for our sins. It was already determined. Don't ask me how. I can't explain it to you. I don't know how it is possible. But that is God. Because God can see the end of a thing from the beginning. He is an all-knowing God. He knows everything before it happens. Now, this is a challenge for a lot of people. Because then it's like, uh, if God knows that something bad is going to happen, why does he sit there and allow it to happen? That one too, I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer to it. Like the songwriter said, we will understand it better by and by. But let me say to you again, that don't be deceived by people who give the impression that they have answers to all of life's mysteries. 
you don't have answers to all of life's mysteries. There are things that God has revealed. And the Bible says the secret things belong to the Lord. And even God has secrets. Amen. It's not everything he exposes to us. It's not everything he reveals to us. And if you want to try and understand everything about God and why he does certain things and why he doesn't do certain things, it will never happen. Because the day that you are able to understand everything there is to understand about God, he will cease to be God. Because you would have been able to contain him in your finite mind. But he's an infinite God. And there are times, and, and a lot of the times for that matter, when we just have to trust him and have faith in God and believe that he's in control and believe that he's working things out for us. Hallelujah. And so Jesus having to go to the cross was the sovereign will of God. And that is why at the point Jesus had to accept it because he started pleading with the father that if it is possible for the cup to pass me by please let it pass me by now because what i can foresee is going to happen to me it ain't going to be easy at all but then he stabilized himself because he realized that this cross thing there it is the sovereign will of god nothing is going to change it so that's when he embraced it and said not my will but your will be done hallelujah and then god commanded will where he wants us to do certain things he wishes for us to do certain things but we have a choice to do it or not a good example that i can give you in first timothy chapter 2 reading from verse 1 can you put it up on the screen please first timothy chapter 2 reading from verse number one. First timothy 2 reading from verse number one it says i urge you first of all to pray for all people ask god to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks i didn't see the last word of verse one and give thanks for them verse two pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity verse three this is good and pleases God our Savior. Now verse 4. Who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth? Now give me the King James Version if you don't mind. It says who will have all men to be saved. So right there we can see the will of God. What is the will of God? That all men will be saved. Is that not so? But will all men be saved? No. All men will not be saved. Although it is the will of God that all men be saved. Because some will make it to heaven and others will not. And even though the will of God is that all men will be saved, not all men will be saved. Which means that the will of God that we are dealing with here is which one? God's commanded will. So whether you be saved or not depends on your choice. Depends on the decision that you take. Hallelujah. So there are two aspects to the will of God. And it's important to understand that in heaven, both aspects of the will of God are done. Both his sovereign will and his commanded will are carried out in heaven. But on earth, it is not so. On earth, what is done and cannot change is God's sovereign will. And there are some things that God has determined will never change. But apart from that, his commanded will is also at work here on earth. And so when Jesus taught us to pray and say that may your will be done on earth as it is in, hev as it is in heaven, he was actually asking us to pray that a time will come just as in heaven you have both the, the, the sovereign will of God and the commanded will of God carried out, we should pray for a time when both the sovereign will of God and the commanded will of God will be carried out on earth. When will that time be? It will be when Jesus returns and when he takes over completely. Now as we speak, the devil has a lot of control in this world. It is not yet in the full control of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords but he will come back again and he will take full control 
and Satan will be banished. And when that happens, and the new heavens and the new earth come into existence, then the will of God, both aspects of it, his sovereign will and his commanded will will also be done on earth. Can I have an amen from somebody? Hallelujah. Now, I have gone on to explain to you that whether the will of God will be done in our lives or not depends really on the choices we make or the decisions we take. Amen. Because God has given us a free will, he has given to us the power to make choices and to decide what we want to do. His wish for us and his will for us is that we will willingly choose him and choose his plans and purposes for our lives. That we will willingly want his will to be done in our lives. That is what God wants. But he's not going to impose that on us. And he's given us a free will and the power and the ability to make choices. I'm sure you've heard it being said before that if you don't go to heaven, don't blame who? Because it was your choice. Whether you end up in heaven or you end up in hell is entirely your choice. Whatever must be done in order to save you from a terrible place, that terrible place called hell has already been done. From the moment that Jesus screamed out, it is finished on the cross of Calvary, it was done. The only other thing that was left for him to resurrect from the dead after three days, because as part of the arrangement, he had to go to hell and then sort the devil and the demons out. Hallelujah. Everything that has to be done has been done. Now the choice is left to you and I. I, I, I cannot force you to choose Jesus. I cannot. It has to be your choice. And it has to be your decision. And I'm saying to you, my dear friends, that for the will of God to be done in our lives, it is going to depend on the choices we make and the decisions we take. In other words, we must let our choices and decisions line up with the will of God for our lives. That is only when the will of God will be done. Hallelujah. May the will of God be done in your life, my brother. May the will of God be done in your life, my sister. May the will of God be fulfilled in our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. So then it means that how you choose and what you choose and the decisions you take are very important. Now there are some guidelines that can help you in your decision making so that at the end of the day the will of God will be done in your life and that is what I have shared with you also for a couple of weeks what are the guidelines number one does your decision agree with the word of God whatever decision you are taking whatever choice you are making does it agree with the word of God you must always ask yourself that what I'm trying to do, what I am trying to do, the decision I'm trying to take, what does the word of God say about it? That's what it means by the word of God agreeing with your decision. It means that you must know what the word of God has to say about that choice and about that decision. And you must be guided by the word of God because the word of God reveals the will of God for your life. Hallelujah. So somebody has annoyed you and you are so angry you want to beat the person. What does the word of God say about it? He says in Ephesians 4 26, Be ye angry but sin not. That's what the word of God says. Because if you don't control your anger and you end up beating the person and there's no guarantee that you will win anyway. Because there are people who have gone to fight fights that they thought they would win. They were beating well, well, well. And my only response is a more painful. It's sweet for you. That's what the children say. Is that not so? It's sweet for you. You know. So you are so bored that you want to take certain decisions. The word of God says that be angry, but say not. Is that is that not so? Yeah. 
Hey, is that not so? You didn't? So that is the will of God. That is the will of God for your life. So you must always know, and which, which is why I have emphasized time and again, that you should know God for yourself, that you should know the word of God for yourself. You must have a personal revelation of God, of Jesus, and you must know the word of God. The word of God must be something you are familiar with. So that whatever situation you meet, should I marry this person or not? Should I take this job or not? Should I go to this school or I should go to the other one? All of those decisions can be guided by the word of God. But how can the word of God guide you if you don't know the word of God? And it is not enough to hang on the knowledge of your pastor and of your teachers and of your prophets. It is not enough. It is a serious mistake. Thank God for our pastors. Thank God for our teachers. Thank God for our prophets. But you must know God for yourself. You must know the word of God for yourself. Last Sunday, I drew your attention to the believers in Berea whom the Bible spoke about in Acts chapter 17 verse 31. Paul and Silas went to minister to them. But they didn't just swallow everything Paul and Silas said, hook, line, and sinker. After whatever they were taught, they would go back and search the scriptures for themselves whether the things that were being said were true. Whether the things that were being said were correct. I quoted the wrong verse. Is that not so? So find it and put it there. But it is certainly in Acts 17. And quickly. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Amen. It's important. So. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You haven't found it? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Is it verse 10? And 11. It's actually verse 11, not 31, verse 11. Look, you really have to master what you're doing on that thing, though. Otherwise, you, you'll, you'll not be of much use to me, honestly. You know. So, it says, in verse 11 of Acts chapter 17, that the people in Berea, let's look at it from the New Living Translation, verse number 11 and the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They said the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. They didn't just take what was said to them. They checked the scriptures. They ran through the word of God to verify and ascertain whether the things that they were being told were exactly so. And that's why I'm saying to you, you must know the word of God for yourself. Tell your neighbor, you must know the word of God for yourself. Hallelujah. So that's the first guideline. Does my decision agree with the word of God? Number two. Does the Holy Spirit bear witness with your decision? That what I'm trying to do, the choice I'm trying to, to make, does the Holy Spirit bear witness with it? One of the reasons why the Holy Spirit has been given to us is to lead us and to guide us. So the Bible says in Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It also says in John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So the Holy Spirit has been given to us. One of his assignments and duties is to guide us and to direct us. And he will speak to you and try to open your eyes, your spiritual eyes to see certain things. And when you are taking any decision, he will, he will try to prompt you. And, and he, he, will, he will speak to you. Because the Holy Spirit speaks. I said the Holy Spirit speaks. 
the Holy Spirit speaks. Hallelujah. Let me show you. Thank you, Jesus. Acts chapter 13, reading from verse 1. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manaim, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. One day, as these men were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit did what? Said. He spoke. And he speaks. He speaks in different ways. So one day we, we can go into a teaching on that. But he speaks by dropping things into our minds. By dropping things into our hearts. By stirring up things in the inside of us. He speaks. And so whatever decision you are taking, you should listen out for the voice of the Holy Spirit. You know, when we were growing up, there was this artwork that we had in our homes. And I noticed that the older people in those days, a lot of them had it today. Now, this artwork had the words, Christ is the head of this house. The unseen guest at every meal. The silent listener of every conversation. Alright, so you, I saw that in a lot of homes. Now, I've been intrigued by the last part that says the silent listener to every conversation. You see, a statement like that may give an erroneous impression that God is only interested in listening. And you see, that's why when we are praying, we should also make time to listen to God. You can't just keep talking, 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 talking. You have to be listening. And there are even times that you must be quiet and allow God to speak to you. Because God has a lot to say. And God has so much to say about everything that is going on. And God wants to contribute to the, to the discussions and, and of your life and to the program of your life. I mean, when you listen to a, a, a lot of these radio shows, calling shows and all that, they'll call and say that I want to contribute. <laughs> I want to contribute to the program. Sometimes I don't even know why they say that because that's why you have called. So just contribute. Why do you start up and say, I want to contribute to the program. I want to contribute to the discussion. Go ahead and contribute. And ladies and gentlemen, God wants to contribute to the program of our lives. And he has a lot to say. And he's given his spirit to us to lead us and guide us so that every decision that you are taking, you must listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Which of course means that you must develop your relationship with the Holy Spirit so that when he is speaking, you can hear. There are times that he's going to speak to you through your pastor. There are times that he's going to speak to you through your mother. There are times that he's going to speak through, to you through your brother, through your husband, through your wife, even through your child. And I told you last week that if God can speak through a donkey to direct an experienced prophet like Balaam, then why will God not speak to you through your son? You know, I, I, I recorded the song and I released it um, earlier on this year. God will take care of you. Now, it, 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 it's, it's actually a hymn that was composed in 1904 by a certain woman called Sevilla Martins. And the story behind the hymn was that she, she was married to a reverend minister who was invited one day to minister at a program somewhere. And he went along with his wife and their little son. Now when they got there, the morning of the program, his wife Sevilla took ill. She fell ill. And so her husband, Reverend Martins, was contemplating. Maybe I should cancel the program. Should I go or should I not go? Because he felt that he couldn't leave her in the state in which she was. Right about then, their little son spoke out and said, Daddy, don't you think that God will take care of mommy whilst you're gone? 
Don't you think that God will take care of her? And they both thought about what the little child said. And it convinced the man of God and he went for the program. Now when he was gone, his wife couldn't just get those words, God will take care of you, out of her mind. And she was a, a composer, a music composer. So, so she grabbed a pen paper and started to put down the words to this great hymn. And when her husband got back home, he came to find out that she was okay. She was doing better than how she was doing before he left. And God actually took care of her. But it was their little son who spoke. Their little child. And God can speak to you through your child. But I'm explaining to you that you must know the voice of the spirit of God when he's speaking to you. And you must be able to distinguish his voice from the other voices that speak to you in this life. Very, very important. And don't think that everything your pastor tells you is God speaking to you. It's not true. It is not true. Because your pastor is as human as you. And is as fallible as you are. And can make mistakes. And does not get it right all the time. It is only God who gets it right all the time. As we go along, I'll talk a bit more about that. But I'm begging you, my friend. Charlie, you must know God for yourself. You must know the word of God for yourself. You must have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. And it is your relationship with him. Not, not like you are parasiting on somebody else's relationship with the Holy Spirit. Don't do that. Have to develop it. And for you to have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, you have to spend time with him. It doesn't come in any other way. Have you not realized that the more time you spend with somebody, the better you get to know the person? And the more familiar you, you are of the person's voice. You cannot know the voice of the Spirit of God speaking to you and guiding you if you don't commune with him. So that's why when we share the grace, talk about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet communion. That is fellowship. That means communication with the Holy Spirit. It's essential. And I'm saying to you that every child of God can develop that intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. It is not the preserve of pastors and teachers and apostles and, 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 and evangelists and, 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 and uh, what's the last group of people? Prophets. It's not their, their preserve. That is to say that it's not just something that is reserved for them alone. God's intention is that you you yourself will get to know him and will become familiar with him and with his voice and with the voice of his Holy Spirit. So if you want the will of God to be done in your life, one of the things that you must ask yourself is, so this decision that I'm taking, does the Holy Spirit bear witness with it? Hallelujah. Then the third thing, the third guideline as you are taking decisions for your life and as you are seeking for the will of God to be done is do you have peace inside when you think about your decision? Do you have peace? And I talked about that last week. I don't want to go into that. But one of the ways that God guides us is by a certain sense of peace whenever we are doing something that is right and when we are taking the right decision. Hallelujah. So, in Colossians 3.15, it says, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. The Good News Translation says, same verse, Colossians 3.15, The peace that Christ gives is to guide you in the decisions that you make. So, when you have peace about a certain step that you are taking, it may be an indication that God wants you to go ahead with it. But I must sound a word of caution. That you need a combination of these different guidelines. In taking a decision for your life. It is not just enough 
to be guided by only one and you ignore the others because if you do that you may make a mistake you may actually make a mistake so these guidelines are supposed to guide you all of them or a number of them or many of them are supposed to guide you it's not just one thing but certainly one of the guidelines for you is do I have peace in my heart about it you are trying to change jobs do you have peace in your heart about it if you don't have peace about it forget it somebody has come to propose to you must I accept his proposal I will ask you do you have peace in your heart concerning it if you don't have peace in your heart concerning it please don't go ahead because the peace is guiding you whether to proceed or not to proceed it's almost like it's a traffic light the peace is the green light telling you that go ahead but if the light hasn't changed to green if it is red it means don't go don't rush into anything Number four, the fourth guideline, will Jesus be glorified by your decision? Will Jesus be glorified? That means will he be exalted, honored, and lifted up by whatever decision you are taking? It's one of the things that can guide you into the will of God. That what I'm trying to do, the choice I am making, the decision I am taking, will Jesus be glorified by it? If I marry this guy, if I marry this lady, will Jesus be glorified by it? If I go to work in this particular company, will Jesus be glorified by it? If I hang out with these people and they become my buddies and friends, will Jesus be glorified by it? If I go for this program, will Jesus be glorified by it? So, you must always ask yourself this. In any decision that you're taking, will Jesus be glorified by this decision? Number five. The next guideline, will your decision pass the test of time? Will your decision pass the test of time? That means that after some time has passed, will that decision still stay? That's what I mean. And another way of looking at it is I must allow time to pass in my decision making. And I must not be impulsive. I'm an, I must, and especially if that decision is a major decision for your life, you need to allow time to pass. Don't rush into major decisions for your life. Don't. Allow time to pass. You know, in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 to 3, the New International Version, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 to 3, NIV. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. Now look at the next thing it says. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end. And will not prove false. Though it linger. What must you do? Wait for it. For it will certainly come. And will not delay. Now. This is God speaking to the prophet Habakkuk. And God gave him. A revelation. God gave him a vision. About things that were going to happen. And. It is clear that the things that God spoke to him about had to do with God's sovereign will. That these things that I'm revealing to you, they will happen and nothing can change it. And they actually happened. 
because it spoke about things that were going to happen nations that had oppressed the people of israel how they themselves were going to be oppressed and so on and so forth but god said something to the prophet he said for the revelation awaits an appointed time the revelation had to do with the will of god that was going to happen but god explained to him that what is going to happen or what must happen it's, it's, it's going to take some time there is an appointed time for it and then he says that though it lingers wait for it in other words you have to be patient and remember that your decisions are connected to the will of God for your life or in other words if you want the will of God to be done in your life you really must take the right decisions but I want to say to you my dear friend that don't rush into taking any decision for your life allow time to pass allow time to pass wait it's not that somebody has proposed no immediately yes i'll marry you that's not how we do it that is not how it is done and don't just say i'm going to pray about it pray about it because it's a major decision for your life Which school should I go to? It's a major decision. Don't just rush into it. Which job offer should I take? It's a major decision. Don't just rush into it. Give it some time. And what it is with this is that if that decision is the correct one, time will tell. And you realize that it won't change. That the more time passes, the more assured you feel about that decision. So that is the test of time. Allow time to pass. Allow a good amount of time to pass. And see whether anything will change for you. That's what I mean by, will your decision pass the test of time? And I'm saying to you that don't be impulsive in seeking the will of God for your life. And in taking major decisions for your life. Don't just... You know, a thing comes now and said, okay, I'm going to do it. A job offer comes now, okay, I'm taking it. Somebody proposed to you, no, okay, I'll marry you. Somebody says, I want you to be my intended. Okay, no, you can be my intended. You know, don't do that. Allow time to pass. Earlier on today, I was speaking to my daughter. She's in the university. And there is a, a, a course that she says she wants to do. And she's been talking about this course for some time that that's what she wants to do. So we said, yeah, go and do what you want to do. But recently she called her mother and said that she's having a change of mind. She doesn't want to do that course. She wants to change to something else. So when she called today, I was discussing it with her. And I asked her that, why? Why, 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 why have you changed your mind? Now she, she said to me that, you know, it's like something is bugging her. That there's something that is, it's just not going away. That she should change her course and do something else. Now this is what I told her. I told her, give it some time. I asked her, how much time do you have to effect a change? She said, by the end of this month. I said, don't rush into anything. Take your time. Give it some time if it is the right decision for you and you see she's my daughter but I'm not imposing anything on her sometimes that's the, that's, that's the mistake that parents make of course you can guide your child you can direct your child but you must also understand that it is important that the child does what he or she likes. You see, this thing that I'm saying, if, if, if you don't think deeply about it, you will get it wrong. You will get it wrong. Of course, there's a stage in the child's development where you take decisions for the child. But if the child is older now, you can't force who the child should marry. 
you can't impose a wife or a husband on your child we don't do that I, I mean some people do that but I don't agree with it you don't force a career and a profession on your child there are people who have been forced by their parents to pursue certain professions and they are very miserable because they are not cut out for it not everybody is cut out to be a nurse and there are many nurses working in the hospital today they are frustrated and they take their frustrations out on the patients a nurse is supposed to be kind a nurse is supposed to be compassionate must have feelings and I've met some very good nurses in this life but I've also met some very horrible nurses horrible nurses with bad attitude and there are some of them I believe it was not their decision to, to enter into the nursing profession some of them it was forced on them some of them is like, I, I, I don't have anything else to do. It said that, okay, if you're a nurse uh, of late in Europe, in, in the UK and US, they are looking for nurses. So, Charlie, become a nurse because the door will open. It. You don't take a major decision for your life like that. If you don't take it, you'll even kill somebody. Because what you are doing is not really what you want to do. So, with my daughter, I, I, I didn't tell her that do this or do that. And I told her, and it's interesting. I asked her what I told her. I told her that pray about it and give it some time. And then I asked her that what did your mother tell you when you spoke to her? She said, mommy said I should pray about it. That's what her mother told her. And that's exactly the same thing that I told her. Because it's important that she hears for herself. And I've also asked her to give it time. So your decision must pass the test of time. Don't rush into anything. Are you listening to me? Yeah. And if something is from God, it will continue to get stronger and stronger. With the passage of time. It will get stronger and stronger. And if it is just your mind that is working, it, it will lose its importance or it will fade away. So that's why I've, I asked her that give it some time pray about it and give it some time and with time if it's really God leading her to change her program that feeling will not go away it will become stronger and stronger hallelujah so ladies and gentlemen don't allow anybody to pressure you into anything don't be pressured into marriage don't be pressured into getting a particular job don't be pre pressured into buying things that you are not ready for it will not be easy for you hallelujah then the next guideline we, 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 we're closing does godly counsel confirm or support your decision does godly counsel confirm or support your decision does godly counsel confirm or support your decision Look at Proverbs 15 verse 22 from the message. The Bible version called the message. Proverbs 15 22. Proverbs 15 22. What does it say there? It says, Refuse good advice and watch your plans fail. <laughs> Refuse good advice and watch your plans fail. Take good counsel and watch them succeed. Can you give me any modern version that you have, please? It's frozen. Alright. Proverbs 15, 22. Oh dear God. Is it a different machine from what you've been using all along? So from the New Living Translation, it says, Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Amen. Alright. So, 
What is this verse saying? This verse is bringing out the need to have good advice. Now, when I talk about counsel, I'm really talking about advice. I'm talking about advice. Now, godly counsel is good advice, which is coming from persons who are spiritual and are under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's what I mean by godly counsel. I'm talking about good advice that is coming from people who are spiritual and are under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So you, 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 you shouldn't just take advice from just anybody. Are you listening to me? Yeah. Don't just take advice. And <laughs> you know, older people have a lot of experience. But don't think that because they are older, they will always give you good advice. It's not true. There are older people who give very bad pieces of advice. They will tell you to marry somebody because of the money he has. So your mother is old and you have come to tell her that there are two people who have proposed to you. The first thing she asks you is that Oscar, <laughs> does he have money? Or the two of them, who has money? And she will tell you that by all means, marry the one who has a lot of money. Is it good advice? It may be the greatest mistake of your life. It may be. So, you, you, you need advice. And we need advice in any major decision that we are taking. However, we need godly counsel. And it must come from spiritual people who are under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Because you can be led astray. In the Bible, there's a story of a young prophet who died because he listened to something an older prophet said to him. Now, this young prophet, you know, God gave him a prophetic word for the king. And with the prophetic word came an instruction. You find this story in 1 Kings chapter 13. God sent this prophet, this young prophet, to the king. And he was told to give a message to the king. And this was the king Jeroboam. And when he went to give the message, the king was angry with him. So he gave an instruction that he should be arrested. But as he stretched forth his hand, arrest him, his hand withered. So now he asked the young prophet to pray for him. And then he was restored. But when God sent him to the king, he gave him an instruction. Don't stop anywhere. Don't go to anybody's house to go and eat anything. Deliver the message and come right back. He did that. But when he was going back, instead of going straight back, he decided to rest small. And there were some people who had been around when that encounter with the king had taken place. And they went to speak to an older prophet who had retired some years ago and told him about what this young prophet had done. So, the, the older prophet was intrigued. Because I'm sure he was amazed about the story. So he, he, he sat on his ass or donkey and went looking for this young prophet. And when he went to him, he told him that, oh, I heard about what happened. Let's, uh, you don't have to rush back. Come, come home with me. I've organized some nice chicken with um, fried rice and some nice black pepper to go along with it. So come, come home with me. And the young prophet told him that I cannot come because God has told me that I finish now, I must retain. 
And then the older prophet told him that, oh, God spoke to me. And God has changed the instructions. Yeah. God, God told me to tell you that it's okay. You can come home with me. So he followed the older prophet. And after he had finished eating, God now gave this older prophet a prophecy for the young prophet and told him that because you disobeyed me, you will not get to your destination. That day, a lion ate him. A lion killed him on his way back. It was this same old prophet who led him astray, who came for his body to go and bury him. And when he was burying him, the only thing he could say was, Alas, my brother. <laughs> Alas, my brother. That was the only thing he could say. He listened to an older person. Somebody that he thought was experienced and knew a lot of things. And it cost him his life. So, it is important to listen to good advice. So, the Bible says that in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. But you have to be careful who is giving you the advice and what is influencing that person. Don't just take anything that is said to you. Hallelujah. Look, there are two things that a godly counselor will always do. Number one, he will always point you to the word of God and to the spirit. And to the Holy Spirit. A godly counselor. He will always point you to the word of God. And he will always point you to the Holy Spirit. Number two. A godly counselor will always give you the word. But he will allow you to make the decision. A godly counselor will give you the word. But he will not impose anything on you. Be careful of people who impose things on you. Be very, very careful. Be very, very careful of that. A godly counselor will direct you to the word of God, but allow you to decide. He won't choose, choose a wife for you. Choose a wife for yourself. But listen to the counsel that is given you based on the word of God. So if you go to see him and you tell him, that I, I'm looking for a wife. What must I do? He will direct you to the word of God. And show you what the Bible says about a virtuous woman. And then he would ask you. So is there anybody in your life like that? And then ask you a bit about the person to find out. Is she a virtuous woman? Is she a good man? And all of that. But at the end of the day. He must allow you to choose for yourself. That's what a godly counselor will do. Hallelujah. And please take note of this. A wrong counsel can greatly cost you. Like I gave you the example of this old prophet and, and the young prophet. Wrong counsel, wrong advice, wrong instructions can greatly cost you. Do you remember the story of the 12 spies who went to spy out the promised land? All 12 of them, this is in Numbers chapter 13, all 12 of them were elders. All 12. They were elders. They were supposed to be spiritual. They were supposed to be experienced people. Ten of them came back with a report and said that when we went to check out the land, it was good. There are a lot of nice things there. But we, we, can't, we can't take the land. It won't work at all. Because the people there, hey, the people we saw, they were giants. And they said when we looked at them, we felt like grasshoppers. And we could see from the way they were looking at us that they were also seeing us as grasshoppers. It won't work. But two of them. So the advice that the ten spies gave was that let's go back. Or they said we can't. We can't. Actually the advice was that it won't work. Let's not even attempt it. So in other words, let's not carry out what God said we should do. Let's go back. God has deceived us. Only Caleb and Joshua insisted that the God who has brought us this far, we saw the miracles that he did. We saw, it was not like somebody told us. We saw the Red Sea split wide open. We walked on dry ground with an aquarium to our left and an aquarium to our right. We saw it. We saw how the armies of Egypt attempted to cross with us and how they were totally annihilated. We saw it. We saw when water came out of the rock for us when we were thirsty. We saw the pillar of cloud during the day leading us. We saw the pillar of fire at night leading us. 
we saw how the Shekinah glory of God descended on the tabernacle. Anytime God had a message for his people. We saw, we saw, we saw. And Joshua and Caleb were explaining that we can't take this land. We can't do it. Let's go ahead. But the other ten said we could not, will not go. Because of them, they ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. The journey into the promised land should have taken 11 days. 11 days. It ended up taking 40 years. And all those who were involved in the rebellion, they died. Except Joshua and Caleb. And it is because of advice. They were all elders. So that's what I'm explaining to you. Charlie, whatever you are trying to do, you need godly counsel to confirm or support your decision. But I'm also setting up a caveat for you. That be very careful where the advice is coming from. And who is giving you the advice. And again, I'm saying to you, that's why you need to know the word of God for yourself. That's why you need to be familiar with the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because men of God, pastors, elderly people, elders and what have you. They don't get it right all the time. They don't. So you need the godly counsel. But you have to be very careful. And ask yourself. Is this really a counsel from God? Is this something that I can follow through with? Is this really what God wants me to do? This person who is saying this to me, what is his motive? Is it that he wants to control me, manipulate me, dominate me, exploit me? Is that, is that what it is? You must ask yourself that. And allow the word of God and the Holy Spirit to confirm that counsel or not. And remember, godly counselors, they will point you to the word of God. They will point you to the Holy Spirit. But they will allow you to take the decision for yourself. Because it's your choice and it is your decision. Hallelujah. And then the last one. Have you yielded your will to God? That is the last guideline. Have you yielded your will to God? In Luke 22, 39 to 44. Luke 22, 39 to 44. There's the same story about the experience in the Garden of Gethsemane. Then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about the stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. So we see Jesus, you see what Jesus did here was that he yielded his will to the fathers. He surrendered his will. He yielded his own will. His own will was that, I don't want to go through with this. It's going to be too painful. It's going to be too ugly. It's going to be too terrible. I don't want to go through with it. But he yielded his will to the father. And that's the point all of us need to come to. It is not an easy thing to do. But that is why the Holy Spirit has been given to us to help us. He helps our infirmities. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will help us to yield to the will of God for our lives. That the Holy Spirit will guide us in our decisions. And our decisions will lead us into pursuing the will of God for our lives. That is the best place to be in. That's the best thing for us in this life. And I pray that we will learn to yield to God in all areas of our lives. Because there are times where we yield in some areas, but we don't yield in other areas. May we get to the point where we've surrendered and yielded every area of our lives to the Lord. And as the will of God is done in our lives, may we enter into the green pastures that he has prepared for us. May we find rest and peace for our souls. May we enjoy good lives and blessed lives. May we have peace on every side. May everything our hands find to do work well. 
may we prosper in all our ways may goodness and mercy follow us everywhere that we go may god be exalted and glorified in our lives may the will of god be done in our lives in jesus mighty name and let everybody say amen, amen. i am done rise to your feet and let us close hallelujah amen father we are thankful to you for this evening and thank you for this interesting journey into your will for our lives we accept that that is the best thing for us and we pray for the grace to yield to you and to yield to your will in all areas of our lives we've taken certain decisions and made moves that have turned out to be very costly it brought us pain brought us tears brought us hardships but thank you father that you are a merciful god and thank you that it is you who is able to provide grace to help in our time of need for every mistake that we've made let your grace to help be released unto us in the mighty name of jesus and wherever we can do a turn around strengthen us by your spirit to do just that so that we can end up in your perfect will for our lives we yield to you we surrender our will to you in jesus mighty name and let everybody say amen Thank you for listening to The Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. We do hope that you were greatly blessed. For further inquiries, please call, WhatsApp, or send an SMS text to plus 233-243-886-622. God bless you.